Our Old Testament lesson this morning is going to come from Judges. From Judges chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 11 through 23 of Judges. Judges chapter 2, 11 through 23. Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and worshipped the Baals. They abandoned the Lord their God, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them and bowed down to them and provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and worshipped Baal and the Asherites. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the power of their enemies all around so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them to bring misfortune. The Lord warned them and swore to them, and they were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the power of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen even to the judges, for they lusted after the other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their ancestors had walked, who had obeyed the commandment of the Lord. They did not follow their example. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for, for them, the Lord was with the judge, who delivered them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord would be moved to pity by their groaning because of those who had persecuted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they would relapse and behave worse than their ancestors, following other gods, worshiping them and bowing down to them. They would not drop, drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he said, because, of the, because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their ancestors and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel, whether or not they would take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their ancestors did. The Lord had left these nations, not driving them out at once, and had not handed them over to Joshua. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have a couple questions for you this morning as we start our message together here at St. Matthew's. Who's the most famous person that you've ever met in your life? As I begin to think about who some of the famous people were that I, that I have met in my life, a lot of the folks that I've met in my life that, that are famous have been athletes. Um, you know, I've I, I met one time I went on a mission trip. Um, when I was in college, and we flew back into the Atlanta airport. And who did we run into as we touched down the Atlanta airport was Eddie Robertson, the famous longtime football coach at Grambling, the, the, the winningest football coach in, in college history. There he was, just sitting in the food court when we touched on Atlanta, and we stopped and, and visited with him. That was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, one, of the, one of the great treasures of my life was I, I got to meet one day Tim Keller. Uh, Tim Keller is one of my favorite preachers. He's the pastor, or the former pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in, in New York City, uh, one of the greatest evangelists of this age. Uh, wrote some of the greatest books I've ever, ever read. The, the Reason for God is maybe the best modern apologetic book I've ever read. Uh, his book on marriage is phenomenal. Uh, just a great Christian pastor and preacher and, and, and thinker. And so I got to meet him at a conference he was doing one time, and that was pretty awesome. Uh, but I, the two most famous people that I ever met, both of both of which have a Colin connection. Go Wolfpack. Uh, when I was at Colin, uh, one we had a big fundraiser for Kapolik and Community College, and uh, one of the the person who came in to be the speaker at the fundraiser was Magic Johnson. Magic had family who worked 
at the, in the Colin uh, cafeteria. And so I got to, as an as a, as a ambassador for Colin, I got to meet Magic and shake his hand and help give him a tour of the campus. That was pretty cool uh, to meet Magic Johnson. That was because of, because of Colin. But the greatest, probably most famous person I ever met in my life was another Colin person. He's actually a Colin alumnus, Jerry Clower. Jerry Clower went to Colin. I think he played football at Colin. But Jerry Clower came to Colin a couple times while I was there, and I got to meet him. And come on, you, you got to love Jerry Clower. I, I quote him all the time, uh, the story of the, the raccoon hunt when uh, shoot up amongst us, one of us needs some relief. Uh, I, and so many of us that grew up in the South know uh, Jerry Clower's comedy and, and have listened to him for years. And so those are some of the, the most famous people I've ever met in my life. And many of you have met really famous folk in your life? So that's my first question. Who's the most famous person you've ever met in your life? Here's my second question. Who in your life has had the greatest influence on you? Now, you may have been influenced by someone who is famous. Uh, personally, as I mentioned earlier, getting to meet Tim Keller was a true treasure to me because he is somebody who has influenced me by his writing and his preaching, his podcasting. So to meet someone that, that has influenced me was amazing. Other influences of mine have been people like John Wesley or C.S. Lewis, folks that are famous and well-known, but folks who I don't know. Sure, I met Tim Keller, but I don't, I don't know him and he doesn't know me. But who else influences us? Well, it's folks like our parents, our grandparents, our Sunday school teachers. Ms. Eleanor Johnston at Johnston Chapel. She was a huge influence on my life. Our teachers and our coaches. Maybe the person who sat beside you in church. These are the folks who influence us. And let's be honest, most of them aren't famous. Very few of them are famous. Very few of our parents are famous. Our grandparents, our teachers, our preachers. There's a lot more Bill Pools and Stanley Landrums than there are Tim Kellers or John Wesley's. Most of the people in our life who have influenced us and who have made a difference in our life aren't famous. They're just regular, ordinary folk who are faithful in the living of their life. Today in Hebrews, in our Hebrews passage, we've been walking through um, been walking through these, this, this hall of faith, this great chapter of Hebrews where we talk about those great saints of the faith. And so today, as we read the end of Hebrews, you know, we, we've been talking about these different names throughout, Abraham and Jacob and Moses. But today, we see names mentioned. And we see names like um, David, and Samuel, you, you know David's story. I mean, David, the Bible tells us David was a man after God's own heart. 
I mean, you've heard David's story a thousand times. You know about David and Goliath. Even if you don't know the story, you know about David. So we know about David's story. And, and you know about Samuel. You might not remember all the pertinent details of Samuel. But you know, you, mo- you, you might not even know about Samuel, but you've heard the story of the young boy raised in the temple and heard the, heard the voice of God calling. And he basically responded to the voice of the Lord saying, here am I, send me, you know, here, here I am, Lord. And you heard, you might, you probably in some ways know the story of Samuel anointing David and, and where the Bible says that God looks at the inward. Man looks at the outward, God looks at the inward. So you, you know, you know about their stories. You know about their stories. And you, you, um, you, you might not know all the details, but you know, you know about, um, you know about Samson. You know, you might not remember all the details. And really, you don't want to really know all the details of Samson because bless his heart. Samson, you, you read Samson's story and you see that God can use anybody. And, you know, um, Gideon, you at least know about the Gideon Bibles. I was at a, out of the hospital the other day and I saw a Gideon Bible. So you might not know all the details, but you've, you've heard of Gideon. You've heard of Samson. You've heard of Samuel. You know David. What about Jephthah? You know Jephthah's story? Maybe. But probably not. And even if you knew Jephthah's story, you would see that in the grand scheme of Scripture, Jephthah's story was actually relatively insignificant. What about Barak? You know Barak's story? You probably know Deborah's story. You know, you're familiar with Deborah, maybe. And Barak was a bit player, honestly, in Deborah's story. But yet, here they are. Here they are. Here's Jephthah. Here's Barak mentioned in the same sentences with David and Samuel, these unnamed prophets that we see mentioned herein. He didn't always the famous. And the well-known who God uses. But in fact, most times I believe it is the ones who nobody knows. The regular, ordinary folk going about their lives. I think that's where most faithfulness is truly seen. We see... In the Judges passage that we read to start off the sermon with today, we see what they were up against. We see Judges is a story of cycles. Of it, Judges is a cyclic book. They start off free, but then the text says they depart from God. 
And they lust after the God to their neighbors. And so because of that, they fall into sin. And because they fall into sin, they fall into slavery. But then while they're in slavery, they cry out to God for deliverance. And then God will send a judge. And God will be with the judge. And the judge will free them. That's what Samson was. That's what Jephthah and Barak and Gideon were. God will send this judge to the people, and this judge will lead the people, and this judge will free the people, and the people will know freedom because of the work of this judge. But then the judge will die, and the people and their freedom will once again begin to depart from God and chase after these false gods and fall into sin fall into captivity. And the cycle repeats over and over and over and over. It's like the old commercial, lather, rinse, repeat. That's what goes on for the people. And so this is what the judges were up against. This is what they battled. This is what they faced. It's what sat and Samuel was a judge. He faced the same thing. David was constantly calling the people back to faithfulness. This is what they faced. Sin and brokenness, captivity, pain, slavery. A people who were prone to wander away from God. A people who were prone to leave God. A people who were going to walk away from God almost seemingly at the first sign of, that they could. This is what the judges dealt with. And yeah, you had Samuel, who was an amazing prophet and did amazing things for God. And yes, you had David, who was the ideal image of what a king should be. And yeah, you had Samson, who had supernatural strength. And you had Gideon, who led an army. But you had Jephthah, who we don't really talk much about. And we had Barak. We had common, ordinary people who God used, who were faithful to God in that moment. And that is what made all of these people heroes of the faith. Not that they were famous, and not that they wrote a bunch of books about God, or not that they did everything right, or none of this. The reason why they were heroes of the faith is that they were faithful how wherever they found themselves, whether they were great and everyone knew who they were, or whether no one knew their name. It did not matter. They were faithful. And y'all, God needs people in our li in, in life who are public and everybody sees and everyone knows and things such as that sure but God needs people to do the little behind the scenes things that no one sees and no one knows and no one understands faithfulness is not about greatness faithfulness is about being faithful to the God who has called you I'll never forget something Dr. Bryant said to us one day in class. He said, let's think about how we esteem people. The leading cause of death in much of the world is unsanitary, unsanitary conditions. 
So you can make an argument, I think a legitimate argument, that the most valuable position in our society are the folks who pick up our trash, are the custodians, the trash men, the folks doing that common, ordinary task that we might not want to do. You can make an argument, they save more lives than brain surgeons. Now, listen, brain surgeons are awesome, too, if you need a brain surgeon. So I'm not criticizing that. So I think we esteem the brain surgeon correctly. The brain surgeon receives the proper amount of respect and esteem that they deserve for their years of education, their years of work, for what they're doing. We esteem them with the dignity that they're due. So it's not that we esteem the brain surgeon too much. It's that we esteem the garbage man too little. It's that we esteem the custodian too little. It's that we esteem the people who do the menial task too little. That's how it is with faith, y'all. I was joking with somebody this week that I had to call about something. They're like, oh, man. I'm getting a call from the preacher. This is a big deal. I'm like, oh, no, it's really not. It's just me. <laughs> getting a call from Andy is nothing really to think it's a big deal about because it's really not. It's not that we esteem the preacher too much, although we probably do. It's that we esteem each other too little. Because the people who influenced my life and my faith weren't famous. It was my mom and daddy making sure that every Sunday our family went to church. It was Ms. Eleanor Johnson who taught generations of generations of kids Sunday school at Johnson Chapel. It was Coach Myers, who, yeah, is Bogachita famous, but uh, most of y'all don't know him. But who modeled what a godly Christian man should be like. It was Brother Roy Smith, who spent years and years and years working with the BSU at Colin, and who developed countless men and women to the ministry and countless men and women to grow in their faith. It's the, the churches I've served throughout the years. The people I've served. The Don Coleman's and the Travis Coopers and the Mandy Pruitts and the Charlene Stokes and the Billy Tisdales and the Lonnie Schraders and the Brenda Wilkerson's. Those folks whose names many, most of you might not know, except for maybe hearing them in a sermon of mine at some point. But 
Those are the folks who influence us. And who make a difference. It's not the famous that always make the difference. It's the faithful. It's the faithful. Jephthah, Barak, their stories show us that they were far from famous and far from perfect. But they were, fa- they were faithful. And by the way, the thing that made David famous, the thing that made Samuel famous was the same thing that Barak and Jephthah did, is that they were faithful. David loved the Lord above all else. Samuel loved the Lord above all else. They were faithful. It was their faithfulness that defined who they were. Not their fame, not their power. When you read about David being king, David, for the vast majority of his kingship, was pretty humble. He invited the sons and grandsons of his rivals to his very table. He showed generosity and kindness, and he showed repentance when he sinned. Samuel was obedient to God. In fact, when Israel rejected Samuel, wanted a king, the Lord consoled Samuel. They were faithful. And friends, that's our calling today. That's our mission today. That's our job today. It's to be faithful in the same manner that they were. And that means we've got to keep our eye on the mission and keep our eye on the target, keep our eye focused on the right things. I, I remember hearing a football coach talk one time about quarterbacks. I was a lineman, so I don't know much about quarterbacks. But uh, one of the things this coach said is you can watch when a quarterback has been hit one too many times in the pocket. Because what will happen is, they said, a quarterback is most effective when they're in the pocket and they're passing the ball, and they keep their eyes looking downfield. They keep their eyes looking downfield. They're looking for receivers to come open. They're, they're looking for coverages. They're not looking right in front of them. Because what happens is this. They trust their linemen to block for them. But once their lineman has let a few guys through and t- hit them, the quarterback knows they're going to get hit. So instead of looking downfield, they'll look at their feet. They'll look all around them. And then they won't be paying attention to where the ball should be going. They'll be looking all around them because they're looking at the things that are going to hit them in the face. So they said the, the hard discipline for a quarterback, especially one who's been sacked a lot, is to continue to keep their eyes looking downfield. Because they got to keep their eyes up and focused on where the ball's going. Because they're not focused on the ball's going, they're going to miss their wide open receiver, or they're going to make a mistake, or they're going to get in trouble. They got to keep their eyes down the field, not on right, right, what's right in front of them. Hebrews says that these individuals had their eyes and their homes on a different place. And because they were focused on a heavenly home, not an earthly home, the world was not worthy of them. 
because they had their eyes fixed on their eternal home. And because they had their eyes fixed on their eternal home, they could be faithful in everything. They, they were strangers and aliens. They walked around in difficult times and places because they had their eyes focused on the right thing. And because their eyes were focused on the right thing, they could be faithful. The greatest, the greatest thing, temptation that the world throws at us is the temptation to make us very comfortable here. Getting comfortable in this world, getting comfortable in this place, and taking our eyes off our true home. Because, friends, this world's not our home. This world's not our eternity. This world's not our all in all. I've got a heavenly home, a place where there is no more sin and pain and darkness, a place where there is no more temptation, a place where there is no more death, no more hatred, no more racism, no more poverty, none of this. A place where there is no more lawlessness, place where every tear is wiped away and God is with us. We got to keep our eyes on that, y'all. These saints in the Old Testament, they kept their eyes on what mattered. They kept their hearts on what matters. They focused on what mattered. And because of that, they were faithful their faithfulness was not hurt because they were looking to heaven, but their faithfulness was enhanced because they were looking to heaven because they understood that they weren't faithful for the applause of this world or they weren't faithful to get the credit of this world or they weren't faithful for anything this world could give them. They were faithful because of Jesus. So by looking to their true home, by looking to where their heart belonged, to look into where they wanted to be, it made them more faithful in that moment. They were strangers and aliens because they were looking to their true home. But on the way to their true home, they were faithful in that moment. So what are we looking at, y'all? What are we looking at? Are we looking to our true home? Or are we keeping our eyes in front of us? And what doesn't matter? Some of these folks are famous and well-known. Others are stories we never heard of. But both of them, both of them, they fixed their eyes on their heavenly home. And because of that, they were faithful here on the earth. Today, friends, may the same be said for us. May we keep our eyes focused on what is eternal, what is true, and what is pure. And because we know that is our home, we can live boldly and faithfully and securely here 
in this moment. Let's be faithful, y'all. And may all the world come to know Christ as Lord because of our faithfulness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these heroes of the faith. We thank you for their dedication to you, their dedication to your kingdom. God, help us in our life to be faithful. God, whether we're in a public setting where everyone knows, God, or whether we're in a scene or setting that no one knows, let's keep our, help us, God, keep our eyes on you, on our mission, on our task. Help us to be faithful in all things. Help us to point all things towards Jesus. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen.